Hello, and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. For those who do not know me, my name is Barry Swindon. I'm a part-time staff and full-time elder here at our wonderful church. In our Unqualified Sermon series, Pastor Worth has been exploring the stories of many well-known characters in the Bible. To quote Bono, some very messed up people. All of their stories are to the glory of our living God, and so are ours and mine. So this is my story. This is my testimony. Be prepared for a few surprises along the way. For half of my 60-year story, I believed in nothing but myself. The second half, as you will see, was almost unbelievable. Recently, Pastor Worth asked us this question. What would that book of the Bible say about you if one was written about you? If I were writing the headline of that book, it would probably say something like, saved, but stubborn. I believe my book would be called, Somehow. So, to begin. I was born in Manchester, in the northwest of England, to low-income parents, then raised in the biggest city council estate in the UK. You call them projects. The eldest boy of five younger sisters. This 11-year-old boy had already begun breaking into cars, liberating copper from empty houses and shoplifting. He also stole his very first bike. All juvenile crimes that often lead to much darker places. My dad was unemployed. Father Christmas was a charity worker delivering second-hand toys. And churches were just big, empty buildings. But somehow, in my first year of high school, I started a new habit. A habit that would take control of my life. Judo was my first martial arts love, but eagerly followed by five other martial arts over a 25-year span. I never did learn wax on, wax off, but I did learn how to listen and to follow instructions, to respect my teacher, my sensei, and self-discipline, all in the nick of time. Working as an underage waiter in a local pub. I managed to leave home at the age of 16, when many of my HUD friends were either ditching high school or entering correction facilities. Unlike the norm, I finished high school and even qualified for a government college grant, and I eventually headed south to London. Somehow, in London, I got my first creative writing job for a Chicago-based agency called Leo Burnett, one of the top five agencies in the world. I soon find myself creating ads for some of the biggest blue-chip companies around. Apparently, I was now qualified to fly all over the world, own convertible cars, and live a fast life. Advertising is not the most sanctified industry in the world, but for 15 years, this was my life, and I thrived on it. 
And I firmly believed it was all because of me, myself, and I. Somehow, I was partnered with an art director called Jeffrey Knight, a born-again Christian at the age of 13. Jeff was the only Christian I knew in this very amoral and hedonistic industry. We worked together as a creative team for 12 years, most of which I tried my hardest to lead him astray. Jeff was a complete mystery to me. He was a humble, loving and very faithful witness. It took me many years to realise how impossible it is to derail a very strong faith. And somehow, Jeff's devoted witness to me ultimately resulted in me marrying a Christian woman from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And in 1995, I moved stateside, where I finally joined a church. Do I hear a hallelujah? My agency work in Minneapolis combined my London creative marketing skills with environmental architects, creating communication pathways through banks and large retail stores. But we all know being a Christian does not guarantee a blissful life on this mortal coil. I survived nine long winters in Minnesota. I also survived a heartbreaking divorce. But just as in those incredible Bible stories, our loving God can turn our pain and our adversity into his glory. Somehow, through my church and world vision, I sponsored a young girl from a village called Rakai in Uganda. Her name is Rosemary. At the time, I didn't really think much about it. I simply felt it was the right Christian thing to do. But a few years and many letters later, that all changed. In 2001, I decided to go to the annual church mission trip to Uganda to visit Rosemary. No big deal. But one month before that trip was planned to leave, the horror of 9-11 struck this nation. And nobody wanted to fly. Past mission trips had always included about 20 people. This year, the go-no-go -no -go trip criteria depended on at least six participants. I was the sixth and last person to sign up. My first mission trip, my first time being anointed with oil. Finally meeting Rosemary and her family was a pure joy. Now she is all grown up and safe and happy. But at that time, Rakai and Uganda were the complete opposite of safe and happy. Rakai was labelled the birthplace of AIDS. Almost an entire generation was dying from the AIDS pandemic. Nothing prepared me for the mass deaths and the complete lack of hope. I visited one 70-year-old grandmother. All her grown children had died, and she now cared for seven grandchildren. This image of that journey now hangs on my living room wall. What you see in this photo is a prayer circle inside the one-room home 
of two young boys. The eldest boy was just nine, and he was now the head of that household. What you don't see is me. I was hiding behind the camera. I could not walk through that narrow gate to pray once again. This picture is on my living room to remind me of how helpless I felt that day. And also the words of Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is a gate and broad is a road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is a gate and narrow is a road that leads to life and only a few find it. It was not until I was safe in my home, totally exhausted and standing under the first hot shower I'd had for almost two weeks, that God literally brought me to my knees. And on my knees, I cried long and ashamed. But our God does not despise a broken and contrite heart. God can use it. Somehow, within two years, I became the creative director of World Vision here in Federal Way, Washington. I began leading a 30-strong team of writers and designers in the biggest Christian nonprofit in the world. It was just a start. I directed over 15,000 projects during my 13-year leadership at World Vision. But one project stands out above all. AIDS was killing an entire generation and also destroying decades of long-term development work in many of World Vision countries. Somehow, at the last minute, I was invited to a meeting with our youth specialties client. During that meeting, a life-changing idea sprang into my mind. This is the simple concept I drew in that meeting. This idea involved creating four lifelines, each telling the stories of four real children. All the children's lives were dramatically affected by AIDS, but two of them were also infected. Guided by headphones, you walked in their footsteps, not knowing which child was infected with AIDS. Not until you walked into the third world clinic and waited for your AIDS test result. With God's guiding and a lot of creative partnership, these two short videos show that idea in reality, and most of all, the hearts that it touched. You've just walked into the African country of Malawi. Your country is beautiful, but lurking at every corner is the threat of HIV and AIDS. I lost myself in their world, hearing their music and seeing the pictures and sitting in the hut feeling like I, I was there. AIDS has been active in your family. You have six sisters, one of whom has already died as a result of AIDS. You really got to, to taste a little bit of what they go through every day and the experience that they have to face.
child should have to experience that. Two of these World Vision AIDS experiences toured large churches and major event centers throughout the states and raised $100 million to fight this pandemic. Versions were also created in the World Vision offices in Canada, the UK, Germany, and Australia. A little yeast, God-inspired, multiplied manifold around the world. Coming late as a follower of Jesus, his condemning words in Matthew 25, 41 have always challenged me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. $100 million is an enormous amount of money. But I believe our God is more interested in how it is used and the hearts it can change. Just one of many ways was to train thousands of ordinary people as caregivers all across Africa, Asia and Latin America. This army of loving caregivers were equipped with much needed medical supplies and would walk miles to care for the infected sick and dying, when many would not go near them. We didn't know anything about the disease. Both of my kid brothers died. That was my greatest challenge in my life. I realized that if I had knowledge, my brothers would have not died. So I said, now if I get trained, no one else die the way my brothers died. My name is Dokas Mwamba. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I'm a farmer. I'm a leader. I'm a servant. I'm a friend. I am a caregiver. Dorcas is on her feet once again on the dusty roads of Zambia. Purita was still pregnant. She went for testing because that was a mandate for every pregnant person and was found to be HIV positive. Dorcas is Purity's caregiver, trained and equipped by World Vision to provide health care and encouragement in her community. Each one of them washed and cleaned those imprisoned in their own homes. They were the hands and feet of Jesus. Somehow my path has certainly narrowed over the years and it was not all my doing. Just as that simple concept was not all my idea. For such a time as this, I am convinced that our Father led me to the right place at the right time with the right skill to do his glorious will, even when I did not know him. I have been so blessed on this narrow path of life, none more so than by the love of my wife Leah. 
I have now surely found what is good and have received favour from the Lord. So, I'm going to ask a favour of you. Consider being my dear to all those people around you, as he did to me. He truly manifested the Lord Jesus within him. Perfect he was not, but I believe I would not be here today without his faithful witness. This I know with all my heart. My God has known me all of my life. I am a child of that living God, and I will one day be a citizen of a better country. Until that day, I am here to love and serve in this worship we call life.